The truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Hey, bad bitches wanna be my bait. Hey, hold me down like the CIA. You are now listening to the Whipped Cream Podcast with Bianca Harris and Chantel Chapman. Happy New Year, y'all. Leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app if you love the show. And it's a new year, which means a brand new episode. So let's do it. Shout out to them people. Hey guys, welcome back to the Whipped Cream Podcast. This is our first episode of 2020. We are so excited. Um, basically on today's episode and what you'll hear from us um, maybe a couple times a month when we don't have interviews is Chantel and I are going to be doing um, a little bit more of like research-based podcasts, I guess you can call it. We're going <laughs> to... No, <laughs> we're not researching. Um, it's loose research. Yeah, loose research. But basically just based on like books or podcasts that we've listened to and just kind of giving you our opinion and experiences based on like some research that we've done around whatever it is that we're talking about. Um, so we're really excited for 2020. We have a bunch of really great interviews coming up and just really great content coming for you. And that's my spiel. Chantel, take it away. Okay. So um, today is a pretty massive day for me. I launched my online program called The Trauma of Money. Um, I've been like, I've been actually building it out for over a year. Um, But it's, it, it is my life's work because everything that's happened in my life, I can look back at it and been like, okay, yeah, this, this happened because it was meant to um, prime me for doing this work around connecting our relationship between trauma and money. So I really say I've been like building this business for generations. <laughs> okay, so tell people what it is. Okay, so the Trauma of Money is an online program. It's a 10-week program. And it basically bridges the gap between trauma that happens in our life. And when we say the word trauma, we're not talking about capital T trauma, like an accident or you were in the war or something like that. We're talking about something that has happened to you or hasn't happened to you that can be quite small, but it basically leaves a lasting belief that influences you through the rest of your life. So what we're doing is we're drawing the connections between how trauma And there's many layers of trauma. There's like societal trauma, meaning um, Instagram. Instagram is a source of societal trauma. Hmm. It influences us. It it creates narratives and beliefs that are unhelpful. So we'll explore societal trauma. We'll explore systemic trauma. Um, You know, systemic trauma is a major thing that's happening. Just look at the wealth gap in North America between the rich and poor. That is a result of systemic trauma. And we'll also be talking about generational trauma, intergenerational trauma, and our own relational or individual trauma, and how that can mold your relationship with money. So it's not so much specifically about like, oh, I've got a lot of debt, um, but also, but it is, it's that and exploring other elements of, to your relationship with money. Like, why am I undercharging? 
Why am I afraid to ask for a raise? Why am I the one always buying my friend's dinner? You know, things like that. So what we've done is I've partnered with a psychotherapist who specializes in trauma. Her name's Hiroko. We've had her as a guest on the podcast. Woohoo! Yeah. And uh, we have a faculty of some really amazing teachers who specialize in their own different areas of trauma. And um, we have two offers. We have a program that is to certify professionals in the work. So this would be for someone who's like a wellness coach, a life coach, a business coach, a therapist, a financial professional that really wants to understand the dynamics of a trauma and money relationship. And then we also have another program, which is for individuals who just want to improve their own relationship with money. And I think just to add in my perspective and like watching what you're doing, it's also, I mean, just for, just for a listener who's taking this all in, it's also going to impact many other areas in your life. Oh, totally. The way you're living with money is likely the way you're living in many other areas. So yeah, totally taking it through that lens. It's also going to help you. I feel like, um, maybe heal or just kind of complete some other things that maybe are not working. Yeah, totally. It's so true. You know, when you start getting deep into the work, money is, is a word that's interchangeable with other energies, such as time, you know, like your relationship with money might be fine, but your relationship with time might be so shitty that you don't save for the future because you don't think about time. You know what I mean? So Yeah. yeah, it's really true. Um, Congratulations. It's amazing. I know how long and hard you've been on it. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's super exciting. And it's just so interesting to like be on the path of doing the work that you're meant to do, you know, and like looking back at my life and like all the experiences that were so painful that I look back from the lens of this program. I'm like, okay, I get it now. You know, like my, my life path is just so bizarre. Like I grew up with a single mom. We lived in social housing at one point in our lives, um, in poverty, uh, really grew up with nothing. Then we were like lower middle class experienced, um, like high school in that state, which is like, you're constantly comparing, you never have enough. Then I became a workaholic. Then I got in a relationship with like a gangster who had like so much money. <laughs> I'm just laughing talk about this before. <laughs> and then, um, then I get in a relationship with a stockbroker because like that's also like a weird dynamic with money. And then I get in a relationship with, you know, an entrepreneur and my social circle is like billionaires and I'm flying around on private jets all the time. And it's just so bizarre to like see that path and get to experience like the like ends of the spectrum of, you know, a relationship with money and wealth. And now here I am. And, you know, like I'm, I'm my, my whole situation with money is so different. It's just so much more grounded, you know? And um, after that relationship where we were doing like what you would call like the finest things in life and everything was luxury. I moved to Toronto in like a shitty tiny apartment with a 
a 26 year old roommate and I'm 36 because I wanted to know like if I'm doing all this work around trauma and money how would it feel for me to be to go from like extreme luxury and wealth into this situation and you know what it was totally fine it was I was actually happier in that space so crazy I think it's just kind of a testament to that work but another thing that's so interesting that I noticed about launching this business is yesterday or this morning I sent out an email to my network just asking for some help and I made some pretty direct requests, like, please share this on social media, buy it, buy a course. Cause we have this beautiful one for one model that if you buy a course, we're going to give scholarship to someone who is, who is from a marginalized community that's serving a marginalized community. So I said, buy a course or connect us to media that would want to write a story about us or connect us to a business. You know, I had some pretty direct asks. And I struggled last night with writing that email for hours because what happened, and this is what we're going to talk about today, is my imposter syndrome kicked in. And I was like, who the fuck do I think I am? Like reaching out and just being so bold and asking for this stuff. Right. You know, so that email that you got this morning, Bianca, (laughs) took me like four hours to write. Great though. Yeah. I hope you like this is the interesting part. So it's like you write the email or you reach out, and this is for everybody, including myself. You write the thing and you think it's so bold on your end, but the, usually the other person doesn't perceive it as that. They just mm-hmm. perceive it as like, oh, this is amazing. This is great. Congratulations. <laughs> like, so it's interesting this whole fucking shitstorm that we make up in our minds. And it might very well be very bold and direct. That's fine yeah. too. But usually on the other end of it, the other person doesn't perceive it as that. So it's it's so interesting how it's like you create this thing based on fear. Totally. And most of the time, the other person the other person receiving it either doesn't care or thinks it's amazing. Yeah. Right? So yeah, I totally get it, 100%. Yeah. And then also, like, last night, I was, like, really, like, I don't know if I should send this. And then what took over was, like, you're not doing this for yourself. Yes. Like, if this is truly service work... And like the work that I'm meant to do in my life, I'm doing this for others. Yeah. So take me and my like insecurities out of the equation and send the fucking email. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about imposter syndrome because I was feeling it last night. Okay, But before we even get into it, just even hearing those words, I remember a friend of mine, Natasha, introduced that that those words to me and I was like what are you talking about imposter imposter syndrome like this is just like one of these fucking words or whatever these these statements that they make now and like whatever it's just another title and then I just kind of like schluffed it off at the moment this is years ago she was talking about it I think with her job or whatever it was and then when I started really putting myself out there I was like oh it it came to mind like immediately her I remember her saying it to me And I don't know, even just hearing those words puts me in like a fear-based, like just you saying imposter syndrome to me puts me into a different state. Do you think your avoidance of it and your like putting your hand up to even the words imposter syndrome was because you were experiencing that? I don't think it's too hard to call it. 
No, I don't think I was experiencing it at the time, but I also wasn't putting myself out there or having the need to feel like an imposter because I was in my own little bubble, not, not putting myself out there. And as yeah. soon as I did, I was like, oh, I, the same exact thoughts. Like, who the hell do you think you are building this company and doing all these things? You're a makeup artist. Go sit down. That's what was <laughs> my mind constantly. So I get it. So I just said that because hearing those words, if you're not in that state, can mean like, okay, this is just another, you know, but once you start really living into whatever potential or dream that you have, this can come up right away. Oh my God. I think it's one of the most common thing that entrepreneurs or anyone that's really like putting themselves out there and doing something that they care about will face. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's funny because I was thinking about, I was thinking about it a lot too. And I'm having a conversation with a friend of mine and it's just like, we were talking about, you know, I'm like, well, you, sometimes you have to like pick up your phone and like, you know, we promote events or you promote something and you just put up a post, but sometimes you got to pick up your phone and talk, which can feel very weird. And I'll, the imposter syndrome thing will come up for me right away. And I'll be like, oh my God, this doesn't look cool. Like that, like, it's just like all these fucking things come through your mind about like how you're perceived in your image. And it's just, it's so interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, uh, I often follow, um, the work of this, uh, company in London called the school of life. They have the best videos. Uh, they do the best videos. <laughs> and, uh, they, um, they wrote something about an imposter syndrome. I just want to read it. Yeah. So Faced with hurdles, we often leave the possibility of success to others because we don't seem to ourselves to be anything like the sorts of people who win. Say more. (laughs) When we approach the idea of acquiring responsibility or prestige, we quickly become convinced that we are imposters like an actor in the role of a pilot wearing the uniform and delivering authoritative captain announcements while being incapable of starting the engines. The root cause of imposter syndrome is an unhelpful picture of what people at the top of society are really like. We feel like imposters, not because we're uniquely flawed, but because we can't imagine how equally flawed the elite must necessarily also be underneath their polished surfaces. So the the immediate thing that came to mind when we read this off air um, was I took, I've told you this before, but I took a a series of courses at Landmark a few years ago. And this room is filled with 300 people. And these are not, this is like, you know, there's students and there's younger people, but there's successful people in these rooms that have big businesses and make a lot of money. And you see them at first and I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't even like, oh my God, like, you, you just get like freaked out by it because you're like, your, your life must be perfect. And when you read this to me, that's exactly what I thought about because it's like, you know, they got the suit on and they have this big business and da, 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 da. And then when you start peeling back the layers and seeing that they're just as flawed and fucked up and amazing and all of the things that you are. It was such a defining moment for me in my life because then I realized I'm like, you know what? We're all human and we all have our shit. And that's what actually helped me get through like pushing through and actually putting myself out there. Cause I was like, everyone else that's perceiving this and that I'm putting this out to has their own shit too. So why can't I, why do I have to feel like I need to be perfect in order to like go for what I want? 
Yeah, that's so true. And one main element of imposter syndrome is that like perfectionist view. So I think it's like, it's a combination of a few things. It's like the perfectionist view and also not having the ability to see that, like they said in the book, like you're viewing your flaws as unique to you and you can't see that the other people who did it, who are successful are doing what you want to do also have those flaws. You can't imagine that they have the same flaws that you do. So you're not good enough to be like them. But that's, that's the problem with imposter syndrome is they have those flaws. They just had the ability to be like, shut up and do it. Right. Right. Or sometimes they're just really broke and had to keep pushing and being successful because they didn't have a choice. Like I was yeah. watching, um, I don't know why I watched it, but there was just nothing on Netflix, but I was watching this Kevin Hart documentary about just his journey and like his being a comedian and all the money he's making. And he's like, I just have this deep fear. Like he's millions of dollars. He's on the road to being a billionaire. And he's like, I have this deep fear of like going back to having nothing. Trauma of money. Right? Like it's just, yeah. it's just so interesting to see all the dynamics that come into. So, so fear, fear and stress can actually be one of the most powerful tools that we have um, if we allow it to be fuel instead of being something that hinders us. Or debilitates you, yeah. Yeah, or debilitates you. So, you know, there's this amazing book called The Upside of Stress. And um, it's, uh, it's pretty in, like deep, re- deep, good, intense research on stress. And... Uh, what they're doing in the book is they're trying to reframe like how stress is not, not necessarily bad. It's like, what's bad is when we view stress as bad. If we just change our mindset and look at stress as a motivator and fuel, it, it actually changes the way our nervous system interacts with it. And it can be really powerful. Like Kevin Hart, you know, he's an example of it, but I do wonder just because, you know, I'm, I do work around trauma of money. How much pain and suffering does lie beneath that constant grasping for like money, right? Like what, what are other areas in his life that may be suffering because of that deep, like need to be wealthy? You know, there is a way to be extremely wealthy and also protect your nervous system at the same time. Like we know that you can get into an abundance place and not be in a trauma state, right? See, my body doesn't know if I believe that yet. Well, I want it to be true. I think about what yeah. you're saying all the time. I was just thinking about it yesterday in my yoga yeah. How do I have like a peaceful existence and still be abundant, right? Like, cause it's so correlated to being stressful, stress, stressed out. Like, just like, okay, I'm making a lot of money. So I'm fucking stressed out 24 hours a day. And I'm like, I don't want that. I do yeah. not want that. I can't handle it. Like I literally, I know how I start getting if I, if if that is my lifestyle. Yeah. I I think it's just, it's acknowledging the cost of like the way that like the suffering that you do have. And that is subtracting from your feelings of abundance, you know? Well, you know, if you're just like, you're working, working stress to make money. Cause you're like, if I like, to me, abundance equals having more money and I have to stress to get to that place. Like, are you in a state of abundance? Right. 
I see what you know, that's the, that's kind of what it is. And it's like, what I'm saying is you can actually have both. And what happens when you do prior prioritize the nervous system, um, your views of abundance might change. You know, you might not desire traveling in a private jet anymore. You might, you might find abundance in being able to host your friends and, you know, cook a beautiful meal for them or be able to go on a vacation um, that feels aligned to, you know, some of your values. Yeah. Right. Like things, your, your relationships will slight, will shift. Um, but you're not having that like side of the suffering anymore. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm just, I'm just speaking from like my experience because it's so, <clears throat> as soon as I think about like, okay, I literally, as soon as I think about, okay, I need, I want to make this amount of money. All that I think about is like, okay, that's, this is, this is how you're going to feel again. Cause it's like when I was at my most stressed and like work, 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 and I was making money. Yeah. But I felt so depleted that that's, that's the trauma right there. I'm like, that's exactly what my mind goes back to when I think about it. And then when I'm like, okay, when I had to pull back a lot, I wasn't making as much money, but I was a lot happier. I'm like, so how the fuck do I work this out, right? Yeah, but this is this is your theme. And your theme is like not this or that. It's like finding the balance, finding the place where you're making money, you're feeling good with what you have, and you're not stressed out all the time. Yeah. It's remember, remember a few months ago, we were both just like, I want to make this amount of money and I'd be happy with that. And it wasn't that much money. It was just like, I want to be a comfortable, I want to be able to go away and I want to have like a nice surrounding. Like, it's yeah. like I don't really even want, like, I, I, I just don't have the urge to like be that rich. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I just want to feel really comfortable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that will change. I don't know. That's well, you know, like when they say, when you do goal setting work and they use like that acronym, SMART goals, um, like specific, measurable, attainable, and I don't know what the rest is, but like attainable goals um, is understanding like, what is it that you actually want and need? Because you could be like, um, this is actually part of Tony Robbins book around money is like he was working with CEOs and they're like, I want to be a billionaire. And he's like, well, why? And they're like, well, you know, I want a jet and I want this and I want that. And then he he did the math and he's like, well, the cost of that actually is not a billion (laughs) dollars. And it just like totally like (laughs) reframed, you know, their goals. And now all of a sudden their goal went from a billion dollars, which that's stressful. That's a stressful goal. And it's also like, how the hell, how am I going to, how can I specifically lay out the goal to make a billion dollars to, okay, I need $21 million. (laughs) So $21 million may be more attainable, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is obviously a stupid example for most of us, but. No, I get it though. I get it because mm-hmm. the number is, is really irrelevant. Yeah. Like whatever exactly. it is for you. Right. So yeah. I get it. $10,000 can feel totally unattainable. Yeah. $1,000 can feel totally unattainable. Right. Like it's like, it's all, it's all relative. So I told yeah. you that for sure. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Cause it's like, what do you actually want? So what is it that you actually want with all this money? 
right? Yeah. Like, that you're actually looking for. That's a good way to kind of break it down to like, because it's like, you know, I'm, a, I love Abraham Hicks and it's like all about the feeling. If you guys don't know who I'm talking about, look her up on YouTube. It can be a little weird, but there's some really good insights in there. <laughs> and it's, it's, um, it's like, if you thinking about the billion dollars makes you all stressed out, that stress is actually going to prevent it from actually coming. Yeah. Like when you're not in a good flow of like receiving it and you're not in that mode of receiving it, it's not going to come anyway. Right. Like you have to, you have to be able to like, so whatever feels better, like reach out, reach for whatever feels better. Like does a hundred thousand dollars feel better? Can you actually map up what that looks like? And then when you get there, then you can start reaching bigger because it's almost like if you have this huge goal or whatever in mind, you got to break it down because thinking about it that way can make you so stressed that you won't even do it or you won't even be able to receive it. But when you break it down, what do you, okay, what do you actually need? What, how is that going to look? It can feel a lot better, which it will actually make it happen. Yeah. I'm talking to myself right now because I know I need to do this, but. Um, I'm glad you are. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's like, sometimes you just need to fill in the details and then you're like, oh, okay, I can breathe and I can actually make that happen. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. When yeah. Do you feel so like you have imposter syndrome. Pardon? When do you feel like you have imposter syndrome? Um, all the time. Really? Oh, of okay, course I do. Work from it. Cause this would be an interesting question. How okay. do you, how do you feel when it has nothing to do with work? Um, does it kick in at any other point? Okay. First I want to say, before I answer that question, um, I did this online program like seven years ago and I interviewed 25 really top entrepreneurs, like successful entrepreneurs. And one of them said in his interview, he goes, if I don't, he's like, every day I wake up in the morning and I, I feel, am I fucking nuts for doing this? And he goes, and I know when I don't feel like that, I'm not taking enough risk and I don't care enough about what I'm doing. And that like really stuck with me and that like, I was really lucky to hear that because that long ago, seven years ago. So it's kind of helped me be in the mindset of like, you know what, like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do this. I can do this because entrepreneurs feel crazy. And that's normal. That's just baseline. Imposter syndrome, baseline ingredient for entrepreneurship. (laughs) 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 But, you know, however, too much, uh, or sorry, if you don't have enough imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. that's really dangerous. Do you guys know the story of Elizabeth Holmes? That woman who... You listened to the podcast? Yeah, Holy yeah. God. The Theranos was the oh name God. of the company. Yeah, Theranos. She, yeah, Theranos. That chick had no imposter syndrome. She's <laughs> like, I can do anything. Based on me and zero facts. Me and my white privilege, my white privilege connections can do anything. Right. You know, so that's like, so a certain level imposter syndrome is really healthy because it keeps you like, it, it, it makes you maybe less destructive. Right. Yeah. I was just, I wanted to say that people it's called the dropout. You got to listen to it. I killed it. It was so good. (laughs) Anyways, um, how do we, this is my, okay. So, you know, I'm big on language and words because it makes me feel a certain way and I'm a cancer and I need to be feeling the feels. Okay. <laughs> so what's a different way that we can, like, how do we reframe this imposter? Like those words do not work for me. 
Imposter syndrome? No, I don't. I can't. Like, I understand you need a healthy dose of whatever that is, but we have to reframe what those words are because me setting myself up to feel like I need a well, healthy dose of What that. about like, um, like a humbleness filter? Yeah, like I get, like, because you're saying that the reason that you need it is because it will keep you kind of down to earth and still, like if we use the Elizabeth Holmes example, she was so high up here and like not even not even like she couldn't based on facts that you're like yeah (laughs) she she had a distorted view of reality right yeah yeah I guess I guess it's somewhere in the world of like just kind of keeping it down to earth yeah it's like a humble filter I guess yeah but okay let's go back to your question about where in my life do I feel imposter syndrome outside of work Hmm. at the gym (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a fucking imposter that's right <laughs> at the gym for sure I don't even go to the gym so I don't feel that um I feel it in like the spiritual world I was just gonna say that yeah yeah like when I go to like uh I do um I go to this program called self-realization fellowship which is Yogananda who wrote the autobiography of a yogi and I'll do like I'm like a lesson student <laughs> of that program. And sometimes I can feel like a little, first of all, I get really judgmental about it. You do? Yeah. That's like how my imposter syndrome shows up. In what way? Well, I make fun of their songs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, it's okay. Yeah, but they're they're really lovely. <laughs> but it's just my resistance. <laughs> Interesting. And like Kundalini too. Like I love Kundalini, but you know, I also kind of sometimes judge like some elements of it. Oh, I do all the time. But I know in that moment, because I just did it last night and it was like, I know in that moment, my judgment of it. And I like that judgment. It keeps me down to earth because if I didn't have it, I would go totally woo woo. I'm telling you now (laughs) because I'm susceptible to doing that. So like my judgment of it isn't, for me, it really isn't in a bad way. It's kind of like, okay, this is keeping me down to earth. I don't need to go all the way. I don't know if that will change, but at this point I kind of, I don't know. That's what's working for me, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, I feel imposter syndrome sometimes in those situations. Um, but it shows more up as judgment. Like, why am I even here? This is so (laughs) culty or whatever. Right. Even though like, I know how, like the, when we go into the philosophy of some of these programs and the teachings and like, yes, this is amazing. This is brilliant stuff. And, and it's truth. Like when you hear truth, you feel it, you know? Yeah. Right. And that's just resistance. Resistance is imposter syndrome. You think so? Ah. Why do you think that it's resistance in that moment of the judgment? Cause it's like, there's something in me that's afraid of like really embracing just like in business, you know, I'm resisting going forward. There's something, there's fear. It's creating resistance. I'm not feeling good enough. It's showing up. It's manifesting as imposter syndrome. Okay. 
it's manifesting as judgment towards me. So I guess imposter syndrome is like judging your judgment towards yourself. Whereas in like some of the spiritual circles I talked about, my imposter syndrome is showing up more so judgment towards others. Right. But it still reflects back on you because exactly what you said is it's like resisting fully getting totally deep into it. Yeah. And you know, what's so interesting um, that they said in the school of life book about imposter syndrome is imposter syndrome is developed in early childhood between our relationship uh, with our parents, because as a, like they use an example, as a four-year-old, you look at your parents and you can never picture your parent as a four-year-old who like can't make, can't make their own decisions on nap time, they said, or like, can't drive a car, you know, you, you're growing up seeing this separation of like an adult who you cannot imagine having the, um, capacity, I guess the capacity of a four-year-old. So you grow up feeling this separation almost. And that's really where they, you know, they are saying that imposter syndrome starts. I was so, I'm so happy you mentioned that because I actually wanted to talk about this right at the beginning and I forgot a lot of what I really noticed when I put myself in these communities where I'm meeting all sorts of people that I would have never met otherwise, you know, like you're actively putting yourself in a class or a workshop or a program or whatever it is, or you're meeting different types of people. And that's exactly what I thought of at the moment. It's like, it's because we're so disconnected, why that imposter syndrome feels so much more because you don't know these other people. So you're judging them based on what you're seeing and what they present themselves as. Therefore your disconnection from them in real life day to day will make you feel like I'm an imposter because you don't really know other people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. Connecting with other people. So therefore you're separated, which will create that illusion of them being better than you or not. Totally. And that's so much deeper than you think. And that's the same in business too. You know, um, uh, it's like, it's not being able to see that in people who are successful, that they have these flaws that we feel like we have. And I think a solution to this is to go read about entrepreneurs' success stories. And you'll probably find something in there around hardships. Failing over and over and over. Yeah, totally. Like that's, that's the main thing you see in the most successful people. It's funny. I was just about this yesterday and it's so weird that I've been watching all these things. Like I was watching something about Beyonce yesterday and it's like, I'm not, I'm not really that inclined to her music, but just her story about like how she literally just like is always trying to look for, like, she's just so into her craft and like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, they say like basketball players, they have their game and then they go back and Michael Jordan will watch the tape over and over and over to see where he could improve because to him, that was a failure that he had. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like failing over and over to get to a certain, to certain point, right. Mm -hmm. Whatever you're doing. I don't know why I just brought that up, but the success Mm -hmm. story of like, I think people don't see how much it takes to get your dream fulfilled in in a lot of aspects, a lot Mm -hmm. lot of aspects. Yeah. Failing over. On that topic. So, um, I've been reading this book, which is amazing. It's called Shakti Leadership, Embracing Feminine and Masculine Power in Business. And they talk about this thing called the heroic journey. Mm-hmm. And they say that, you know, they're, they're in, like to the path of success. And they're going to be talking more from like the space of like 
success being like the process of individuation and like self-realization, you know, getting on your path of doing meaningful work. They say that there's this four stage heroic journey and the first step is crisis. So number one, you're shaken out of normalcy. And then the second step is trauma coming to grips with an unfamiliar world And this is where you're like facing your worst fear and your shadow. And then number three is transformation, discovering your greatest greatness, developing new capacities, unlocking power. And then number four is your gift, sharing it with the world. So as they go- sounds like my life right now. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. This is my fucking life right now. Yeah. So it's- (sighs) They say that this, they see this pattern with, um, like this pattern is a universal pattern. So it's not just something that happens to some people. They like, they've been researching it. They say that this is a universal pattern, meaning that when we encounter like great success, like in something that we're doing, typically the journey follows the same patterns. And that pattern is something's not right. I need to look into this. All of a sudden you start exploring it and then you face all these challenges and you keep getting tested over and over again once you've had awareness of what you want to create or change. So it's not like you're like, oh, I, you know, I have, um, you've been shaken out of normalcy. You have an idea. You want to change something. You've had the awareness and it's smooth sailing from there. Once you have the awareness, you're going to be tested. There's trials and tribulations. This is the universal pattern that they see. And then you're going to have um, the, the facing of your worst fear or your shadows. So they say that there's often like one final test that can either break you down or help you break through. Yes. And then from there you start transforming and then you can share your gift. And I think about that. I'm like, holy shit, that is like the path of, of businesses that people are passionate about. 100%. Yeah. 100 fucking percent. And as, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I forgot now. I'm sorry. I was, I was going to say, do you remember? No. Oh, I was going to say, as I look at like my work with trauma of money, like I've had like a financial company that I taught teenagers and then I had a fight, another financial company. And then I like was doing consulting here and there and, you know, like all this, that stuff felt good, but I, I really faced a lot of tests and trials like, and they actually had a lot to do with my own worth and like charging and things like that. And they were still coming up, up until launch. And based on, away. Yeah, based on this pattern, I'm still going to be tested before this is successful. Or I had my final test and we're starting to share the gift with the world. I don't know. And that's the thing. You just have to be open and surrender to what it is that you're going through. Yeah. It's so interesting that you bring this up because in my class last night, the teacher said something so amazing and she's so right, but it just was so nice to hear the reminder. So I'd love to share it. It's like the test is happening over and over. And she's like, she's like a lot of times what I notice is it happens in three. And if you continue to remain calm, 
the entire time, it'll turn out how you want it to turn out or how it's supposed to turn out. Because what happens is you have, you have whatever it is that's coming up or conflict with you and someone else or conflict with whatever it is in your life. And our, our reaction is usually to freak out, complain, call our friend, fucking lose it. And if you just stay calm and centered, it's not easy to do, but if you do that, um, it'll naturally unfold how it should and how you actually want it to. And it's so true because when I've been at my most, like I'm doing the work, I'm meditating all the time. I'm really taking the time and something happens and, it, and I don't freak out and I just remain completely calm. Everything works out fine. It's yeah. when I start freaking out and changing the energy around that situation um, that things just get worse. So I just bring that up because it's like, it's also in, yes, the challenges are going to come up, but it's also a big part of it is how are you going to deal with it? How are you going to remain centered and calm and, and, and while all the chaos is going around you, right? Yeah. That's a really important piece of it too that I've learned over the years. It's like my initial reaction was to freak out and get pissed off or whatever it was. And that never worked. It always made things worse. So I think that's a big part of the, the testing as well. Mm-hmm. Totally. Wow. <laughs> Happy 2020. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think this is great. Congratulations on your business. I truly mean Thank that. Thank you. You acknowledge yourself, even though it's so fucking overwhelming. If any, I get it completely. It's like so yeah. much and your heart and soul has poured into it. But also remember that their business is not you, right? It's something that you're yeah, doing. Yeah, it is, Bianca. No, it isn't. It's not your identity and who you are. It's something Thank that you're you. doing and sharing. But like, you have to also, what I mean is like, keep that a little bit of separation with it too, because yeah. you overtake who you are. Exactly. That's so true. And if, you know, let's say the business doesn't do well, it doesn't mean that I don't do well. Yeah. Exactly. I always use the sports, the the athletes as an analogy, because like they're, they're training to be an athlete for 20, 30 years. And then by the time they're 40, they can no longer be an athlete and their identity is so attached to that. And that's who they are. And then they're left with nothing. So it's always like, Hey, they're left with clout. Yeah. And a lot of money sometimes. (laughs) But what I mean is it's like, none of that will matter because their identity is gone. Right. Yeah. It's so, totally. tight that. so it's always like, keep that separation of like, it's not, it's also not who you are. Chantel. Very wise words, Bianca. Thank you. Anyway, happy 2020 y'all. Happy 2020. Um, oh, and can you just give them um, your Instagram handle and then also just the, just run the two books by that you pulled those from just so they know in case. Oh yeah. So trauma of money is at trauma of money. Um, and, uh, the book is Shakti leadership and then the school of life and emotional education. Good. Amazing. Follow us at WCR pod on Instagram to get all of our annoying podcast updates. And uh, that sounded like imposter syndrome. Annoying. (laughs) You're right. They're not fucking annoying. They're amazing. Um, and thank you guys for listening as always. Bye. Bye. But it's running from veneers and it's running from the fronts. But every day, hey.
song, white speakers in the face. Bath 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 song, white speakers in the face. I get it how I live it. I live it how I get it. Count the motherfucking digits. I pull up with a limit. Knock cause she ain't living. It's just your eyes get acidic. And this ain't a scrimmage. Motherfucker, we ain't finished. I told you we won't stop. A nigga by the business. Like young with your spinning. Wave hello to the top. Nigga, the vape run by. Tell the paparazzi get the lens right. Bouncing around, bouncing. You can catch me. Wait, wait a minute. 